Welcome to the Bomb Shelter, your weekly journey through the miraculous world of film. So this is episode 13. This is the cursed episode of the podcast the you've episode. decided to listen to. <laughs> how appropriate, how appropriate that this is episode number 13. It's poetic, almost. Man. I, I, I wonder it's... if our audience was aware of that, <laughs> and that's why they decided to vote for this week's feature yes. presentation. Uh, that's Pat over here. My voice belongs to yes. Max. Um, thank you so much for listening. Subscribe yes, to thank the Bomb you, Shelter indeed. on whatever platform you use the most. Tell a friend yes. about the show. Tell a friend that uh, likes movies about the show. I, I hear that uh, this, there's this new thing called movies and people are getting into them. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard about this thing called movies. They're fun. You should check them out. Uh, there's two of them coming out this summer. One of them's called Barbie. The other one's called Oppenheimer. You should check both of them out. And then there's also this guy called Tom Cruise sort of waving around you for your attention in the background. Yes, uh, he's also a fun dude to watch. Uh, yeah, man. And then also, if you have a friend that doesn't like movies, strap him to a table, force him to watch this podcast or to listen to this podcast, Clockwork Orange style. Just hold his ears open and, and because, jam because our traditionally, content into his brain. Because traditionally, ears are closed, so you have to hold them open yes. in order to listen to something. You, 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 have, you have to hold them open, yes. That's, there's a valve that shuts off when you don't want to listen to something. Um wouldn't yeah. that be dope? So let's, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be wouldn't really that, nice? Oh my god. But here's the thing, like if, if it was visible, you couldn't do it because otherwise other people would know like, oh, this other person's not listening to me. That's just rude. You know what I mean? If it's internal, then you can like tune them out, just be like, uh-huh, yeah, everything's good, everything's fine. You you would have to somehow signal, you know, with you know, either verbally before you do it or have some sort of hand gesture to tell yeah. people around you that you're not listening. Yeah. You could do that thing from Charlie Brown where the adults just speak in like, bark, 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 but you could do that for real. And not just for adults. <laughs> not just for adults, for everyone. For any kind of audio in the first place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Teenagers, children your neighbor's dog, all of them, there all of the people that speak. All of the things that make noise. Yes. All right. So before we get into <laughs> all right. the, I, I declare this bit to be over. All right. <laughs> please, please. Yes, I'm, I'm running out of ideas. Here's the thing. I don't want to talk about this. I don't really like this movie. So as, as, as much okay. as I can fill our runtime with other things. And still have this be like a natural, like, conversation or whatever. Huh. I'm fine. Well, <laughs> let's get crack a lacking, buddy. We have, we we can start off with our uh, our favorite segment beside the feature presentation, which is, what did you watch this week? I must admit, I didn't watch that much this week, other than the feature presentation. But there's, uh, well, first of all, Pat. There's, there's this uh, trendy new TV show that you caught up with, right, over the last week. Is that correct? 
Oh, yes. Uh, I started wearing my white T-shirt because of it. I have a plain white T-shirt that I don't use, and I started to use it because I wanted to look like uh, Jeremy Allen White from the show. Is uh, that the... Yeah, You I only watched, have one plain white T-shirt. I have only one. Everything else, everything I have is like nerd T-shirts oh. and like uh, maybe... Maybe one or two like old t-shirts with the sleeves cut out so I can take them to the gym. And I have one plain white t-shirt and I saw it and I was like, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I, I want to feel like I work at the original beef of Chicago land and now the bear. Um, the original Yeah, birth. man, I watched, se- <laughs> the original birth. I watched season two of the bear and I loved it. I loved it a lot. I love the bear. Really, really good show. Really fun show. I'm an anxious, uh, short attention span sort of person, so it fits my way of life perfectly. Like it's 30 minutes. It never stops. It's in motion all the time. There's several shots that are like single shots, and they're super well executed. It's phenomenally acted, phenomenally written, phenomenally directed. The needle drops are perfect. Everything about it is great, and I love it. Well, that's fantastic. I remember last Halloween that I dressed up as Carmi, a plain yeah. white tee, black pants, and the blue apron, the uh, iconic yeah. blue apron from the first season, and no one understood it. No one got it. <laughs> I was I was called. Uh, I, after a while, I just went, oh, yeah, I dressed up as a butcher. Uh, happy Halloween, everybody. Ah, uh, that Halloween sounds lame. Yeah, you should have just yelled at people and called them cousin. You should have just no. There was one person who I didn't think would be there, then showed up, and then I explained the reference, and they went like, "Oh yeah, I saw a trailer for that." And then I said, "Okay, you have to pay attention. If I do not end a conversation with someone with the words yes and chef." And you have to come over and pour a <laughs> shot for me. That was sort of oh, a way that's to, good. That was, and, that was sort of a way to keep then, myself on my heels and calling people yes, chef, and, and, it, and being very confused. Yeah. Next time, every time you have to say someone's name or you have to address someone, instead of saying "Hey, buddy" or "Hey, man," just say "Hey, cousin." And just like just like cousin, everybody. Uh, yeah, man. It's a great show. Uh, great choice of guest stars and like guest people like John Mulaney gives the best performance of his career, which isn't like a huge bar, but it's a, it's a really good performance that he gives very natural. Uh, Sarah Paulson, who's always a delight to watch in any movie or TV show. And Jamie Lee Curtis, who's a delight in the world. It's See, a, a, an international treasure. As someone who hasn't seen. Bob Odunkirk. That's right. As someone who hasn't seen the second season, uh, this is, well, it's it's an oh inter- it's an interesting phenomenon to observe, because every single one of those guest actors is much more known, much more famous than the main cast of the show. So this signals one hundred percent. This signals to me that they all saw the show and really liked it, and then worked and of then asked their agent to uh, get me on there. Come on, like I got it. Yeah, gotta, I gotta, Jamie. Jamie Lee Curtis was in there in secret. Like everyone knew John Mulaney and Will Poulter and everyone was on the show. And the big surprise is Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, maybe Bob Odenkirk. Maybe. No, he, he, got so. a, he got announced um, publicly. We, we actually addressed that on an, uh, on an episode. 
here on this. Oh podcast. yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, yeah, that's right. I Bob Odenkirk yeah. was in there. Will Poulter. The the ones that got that got you know public that came out publicly were Bob Odenkirk and Molly Gordon. We know we knew about those two, and then when the show came out, and that one particular episode where all the guest stars are sort of just piling up. Yeah, when Mulaney and Paulson and uh, uh, I mean Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, oh Gillian Jacobs. That's Gillian right. Jacobs is in it. Jillian I love Jacobs. Gillian Jacobs. Is it Gillian Jacobs? No, I just I I deliberately swapped it around. So you said Gillian Jacobs, which is correct, and I said Gillian Jacobs, which is funny. Yeah, but it's also is it Gillian Anderson or is it Gillian Anderson the See, you know international treasure Gillian Anderson? She is from the UK, which means that you pronounce it Gillian Anderson. Man, English is a mess. Um. Yeah, man, I I love Tell Bear. I here's the thing, Oliver Platt is so fun in it. I love all. I've I've been watching stuff with Oliver Platt in it for forever. Like I, he's he's one of those all time great that guys from movies and TV shows. You know what I mean? And I his see. role as Cicero in the show is really good. Oh yeah, he's he's also really good at swearing. It comes. He's so- really he he. He put some stank on those words, yeah. It comes so <laughs> naturally to him. It's it's quite <laughs> yeah. quite remarkable. Yeah, man. And the way the way uh I mean Eben Moss Bachrock to me is the best performance out of the whole show. Um he his way of saying the word the F word too is also really good. He says the he says the F word all the time because it's a very like language loaded show. He's really good at saying the F word. Well, it, it already he already was during the first season, so I can only assume that it ramps up dra- dramatically now. Oh my that, god. Well, at, at least according to the trailers, Richie, his character, sort of lost during the the, the second season. Is that is is that is oh, that a fair oh, assessment? No. Um spoilers for the bear. Uh he goes through a really cool arc and he ends the season in a much, much better place than where he starts. Um, well, that's nice. In a way, in a way gets his shit together. Uh, they imply that Taylor Swift or, and her music plays a big part in it. Um, there's an entire episode dedicated to Richie where the featured music is Love Story by Taylor Swift and it's the best episode of the season. <laughs> it's so is that good. so? Okay. Olivia Coleman is in it. Uh, I, I, saw I yeah. adore. I love Olivia Coleman so much. Um, every time she pops up, I'm like, oh my God, it's Olivia Coleman. Um, yeah, I, I, I love the show, man. What did you watch this week? Well, uh, I, I mentioned it on last episode, but at, the, at that point, we both, it, well, I had seen it, you hadn't. That is uh, Indiana oh, Jones yes. and the Dial of Destiny. Oh yes, I, uh, I saw it. Lots to say. Oh, opening day at twelve o'clock, which means not a lot of people. Well, most people were still working or in school. So I was, yeah, I was one of yeah, four. Yeah, yeah. One of four people in the theater, and one of those people was uh, playing online poker on their phone during the. You told the me that's right. <laughs> yeah, and you sat too close to him, and he moved. Right, <laughs> that was correct. 
because I, I was too sweaty oh, okay. when I walked into the the theater. But yeah, box office performance, maybe that uh, four person theater, uh, a bit indicative of of how uh, the the movie performed yeah. at the at the box office, which which I think is yep. a is is is, is, a, is a shame. Regardless, it it doesn't it, is. it doesn't affect the fact that this is, I would say, overall a worthy goodbye for the Indiana Jones character. Oh, one. Here's the thing. Raiders of the Lost Ark is maybe my favorite movie in the world, and I love Steven Spielberg, and I love all, and I love his way of making, particularly his earlier, because his early, early work is like Jaws shit. What I mean is like his 1980 to 1990 something, like peak Spielberg adventure films, and like, or like Schindler's List and stuff, and he's my personal favorite director. Um, but what I really appreciated from this movie is the fact that it's not trying to be Steven Spielberg-y. It's not trying to be the old Indiana Jones movies. It has a tone and it has a sort of a couple moments that are callbacks besides the characters themselves and, and you know, stuff like that. Um, but it's but for the most part, it's, it's, it's very much its own thing and it feels like its own beast in a way and it's a movie that understands that like indiana jones more than like a character or more than a story it's a vibe which is a lot of like early spielberg early lucas stuff which is like star wars is the joseph campbell-ness of it but at the same time it's like an aesthetic of like dirty old stuff happening in like deep deep space with like highs like or like soft science fiction and stuff like that so like to me this movie does feel like a very good goodbye to indiana jones but i was also very thankful that it didn't fall into the trap of like everyone in the movie had seen the previous movie so they're just popping references and like a, in an attempt to make a swan song for indiana jones it is a swan song for Indiana Jones in the sense that it deals with like Harrison Ford's and therefore Indiana Jones's age and his and the way his personality has sort of driven people away from him. Um, so it is in a way like a goodbye in the sense of like, well, his adventures are done in in the way that we know them. But at the same time, it's also a I don't know. It's it's just like another Indiana Jones adventure. And it was very refreshing for me that in the age of like movies that are about like events that happened in 20 other movies or 15 other movies, you know what I mean? That this one was very much like we're not like pulling the Ark of the Covenant the way we did in uh, Crystal Skull, was it? Where they're just like where they go to Area 51 to get the crystal skeleton of the alien and then they pop open a box and the Ark of the Covenant is inside. And then the movie ends and Indiana Jones is like, knowledge was their treasure. And I'm like, oh, man. Um, yeah, no, it, this just felt very Indiana Jonesy, but at the same time, it felt like its own thing. If I have any real gripes about it, it would be maybe the way the action is shot, um, especially the fact that a lot of the action is shot in the dark or it's edited in ways that make it confusing or... Uh, the fact that this like 20 minute cold open, you know, the de-aging tech, I don't mind that much. It's the fact that you can't see what's happening, even if it's in a dark theater 
with a good screen and a good sound system, it's still very confusing and it's still very, you know, difficult to spot. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's to me the main, like, shame. Age, Harrison Ford's age aside, I think you could have cut out one or two actions. So the ones I keep for sure are Astronaut Parade action sequence where he gets on the horse. Oh, yeah. That That's I, super fun, yeah. That I want to keep for sure. And a shortened version of the uh, little little car race. I don't. I, I forgot what that vehicle is called. In in Morocco. Oh, the tuk tuk in, there you in go. like Morocco. Yeah. There you go. A, a shortened version of the tuk tuk chase. I keep those two. And basically, well, and then there the the big final set piece. Obviously, you you you, the movie. Oh, the finals! I love. <laughs> I loved it so much. I love the end. I was so into the ending. Oh, me too. Me too as well. What my, my gripes about the film before I t talk about what I really, really enjoyed. Uh, the structure got a bit too repetitive for me personally. Yeah. Because it's Indy and Helena find the MacGuffin. And then the secret Nazis catch up to them. And steal it, and then that ha that beat happens two more times, whereas it yeah it got a bit tedious for me that specific plot point. That's a that's an Indiana Jones thing for sure. Like the like Belloc keeps stealing the Ark of the Covenant and the idol from him. Like every time he Indiana Jones achieves something, Belloc appears and like vampires it out of him, and it happens in Last Crusade. But yeah, it's the fact that it happens like three or four times in the same movie that you're like, I mean, also too many MacGuffins, too many like, oh, it's the Graphicos and then you melt the thing and there, there's another thing inside and then there's a, a piece we already have and then there's the other piece that we need to get and then we go to the place and then we go to the place and then it's like, okay. But in terms of, I think this movie has some underrated, very smart scripting. Like for real. Oh yeah. For real. Very much. And uh well, the emotional scenes with Harrison Ford are all really, really good and well performed. Oh, so so great. And uh He's he's very good in this movie. And he's he's like a to me, he's like a more charismatic version of Bruce Willis, you know, before his he was diagnosed and stuff like that and he retired. Where like he's aware of how important he is to people and he's kind of over it but it's still charming and I, he still think, dedicates energy to his performance you I know what i mean i think like, he's specifically over han solo though and he's since, specifically han solo yeah because i mean i mean you can tell that he fucking hates star wars and that, you can tell yeah that he doesn't that he didn't want to return to play han solo but since, can, I think you can chart the exact point where he stopped giving a shit about Han Solo and it's the holiday special from the 1970s. Like there is a part in the holidays, like because he acts the hell out of the holiday special <laughs> and like Mark Hamill doesn't care. Carrie Fisher is drunk out of her mind. Everything else is like a nightmare. And, the, and like Wilford Brimley is like saying the F word in front of kids. It's it, that holiday special. If you can ever manage to find it, you should watch it because it is a, a, a fever dream worthy of visiting if you've ever cared about Star Wars. Um, but 
like Han Solo acts the hell out of it. And I think that's the exact point where it's like, I'm putting too much energy into this. And then all the people that keep asking him if he shot first or Greedo shot first. And he's like, I don't care. Ask George Lucas. I don't ask, know. Ask <laughs> George. I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> I, I don't give a shit. Like he's, I, yeah, I think Han Solo is the one in particular that he's really tired of. But even when he's tired, like Force Awakens, he's the best part of that movie. He's, he's, he's and that, a, that's a pretty good. He's a very good actor. He doesn't give a shit about Star Wars. But since Star Wars is by far the most famous thing he's ever been in, it's what most people <laughs> yeah. associate him with. And that's why people probably, some people probably look at him as like this boomer old man who just yells at everybody. And th that's not <laughs> yeah. Harrison Ford at all. The Harrison Ford and Blade no. Runner in the lead up to Blade Runner twenty forty nine, like interviewers would go up to him and go, like, "Oh, careful, Harrison!" And he's like, "What? What? What did I do? Come on!" And <laughs> what did I? And, do? And I didn't I, do anything. And then the the same <laughs> applies for Indiana Jones, where now people are sort of giving him his flowers a bit. Yeah, but. There's, I think there's this preconceived notion about Harrison Ford that he's a bit of an asshole and a, a, a yelling boomer, a, a, an old man yelling at clouds. Yeah. But I would not Which, describe I mean, him that way at all. No, he's even when he's like dismissive of things, he's super charming. Like he's in he's in like a bunch of like uh, press junkets and stuff like that. And he's been in a thousand press junkets a year since the 70s because he's Harrison Ford. He's one of the most famous and most recognizable movie stars that have ever existed. So, like, for Hot Solo specifically, every time a new Star Wars thing comes out, he has to do a million press junkets. So it he does have, like, I mean, any actor and, like, any person that has ever learned about distribution knows this. Oh, when yeah. a, a, a bunch of junkets happen, they get asked the same five questions every 20 minutes for, like, a, for like 12 hours. And, like, we normally think of actors as like, oh, poor rich people. But like, imagine the repetitiveness of a bunch of overexcited nerds coming up to you and being like, so what's it like returning to Han Solo after 30 years? In Han and Harrison Ford is like, oh, my God. Like, even. Oh, my like, God. I, I, I imagine. But even he's charming, even in those moments, even if he's like slow and all he's like, I don't know. Uh, that's a movie that came out. 30 years ago i don't know what you're asking me <laughs> like he's he's so fun even in the blade runner ones where he's like uh, where they're telling him like well you're repeating this role after 30 something years he's like so what it's a living <laughs> he's 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 so fun to watch and, and i was like Bruce. show me the money i know show, show <laughs> yeah, me exactly. show me show me the script show me the script is it good <laughs> okay i'll hook it up then yeah and he does bits with Ryan Gosling and the whole thing, yeah. Oh yeah. My my advice for a good Harrison Ford impression is to do to do the hand thing when you you can oh yeah to the side or something. It'll help immensely with with the sort of tone tone of the of the voice. Yeah, he talks talks with his hands. Yeah, he, he talks with his hands. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I, I immediately really like this movie i i liked it more than crystal skull crystal skull like to me what it is is like i mean it's this it has sort of the same problems that this one has of like the overuse of cgi uh but that's a that's something that the more modern spielberg i look at the more money he's given 
the more the less practical action he does and the less practical like in camera effects he does cuz like i i just i think there just comes a point where he's like i don't i don't want to plan that much <laughs> i don't want to do that much cuz like all all the cgi monkeys and the swinging through the vines and stuff like it's too much and the ending's a little weird like it, he really goes into like the sci-fi-ness of it all and to me indiana jones is more like fantasy and more like weird specific fantasy you know what i mean so like part of that when it comes to crystal skull is also george and the fact that george yeah, george, george is a george is a fucking weirdo <laughs> george is a weirdo yeah. george is, and is, is a bit of a stubborn weirdo yeah they replace Nazis with Russians, and it's like, why would you do that? Why would you? And uh, they have that weird Kate Blanchett character who, like, I mean, she's she's great in that movie, but it's from a different movie. Like, Indiana Jones is a cartoon, but you need to show some restraint. Like, you can't have characters that know their cartoons in your cartoon movie. You need the char- cartoon characters to take their cartoonness seriously. And Kate Blanchett is like Borat in that movie, Borat with a sword. And then she's like, I want to know from the aliens. Like, he's Count Dracula from the from the Muppets or from Sesame Street. And I mean, it's just, I mean, the alien is very lame. And again, the ending of, like, knowledge was their treasure. is like, no, man, you're a grave robber. Steal some gold. Steal some gold. Do some stuff in the end. See, see, see that's, 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 an, that's one of the biggest insults you can ever hurl at, at, at Indiana Jones. He is not a grave robber, and when Phoebe, uh, when Helena, played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, calls him a grave robber, I, oh, I, who's great? I, I went like, oh, wow, really, really? But you know, she obviously hadn't seen the events of the previous films. But calling Indiana I mean, Jones he, a grave robber does him such a disservice as a person. That's all I'm saying. I mean, he is a grave robber. <laughs> he's a grave he's robber not, with though. a heart of gold. No. He's a he's a he's a mean jerk who has uh who's also kind of a statutory rapist a little bit and he also destroys he like goes into a culture's temple robs them of their gold and then destroys the temple <laughs> like he or like he's just like Kool-Aid banning his way through people's lives he goes to Marion's like bar in Nepal and the first thing he does is accidentally set it on fire uh and then he gets to the well of souls and he's like incredibly reckless with priceless artifacts and just like uses a pillar to destroy a wall he and like uh last crusade he's destroying like centuries old like artifacts he's he's a menace he's he's a dumbass and he's a menace he's a dumbass and a menace because he's a badass but not a grave robber okay whatever you want man there you go <laughs> whatever you say there you go there okay. you go by, 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 yeah, oh God. Indiana Jones should, should, immediately should. one of my favorite movies of the year. I I I liked it. I enjoyed it. I almost confessed something on here, but I I contained myself. I <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna yeah. say that yet out loud. Okay. What is the you know the bomb shelter motto? We do not incriminate ourselves. <laughs> That's the bomb shelter motto. Sure. No, it, 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 well, I don't think it's like an incriminating <laughs> thing. It's it's kind of an embarrassing thing, but uh, yeah, whatever. Okay. Yeah, whatever. We're 
Our feature presentation this week is a 2001 film, a gross-out comedy from the United States. It was uh, a cult hit. It was directed by Canadian comedian Tom Green, and it has the comedian title, in quotations. Well, we, we, we can we can talk about that further on. Where it's it's mm-hmm. the film is called Freddy Got Fingered. I have an idea of, in terms of the structure because we we normally we we talk about positives first then about negatives yeah. and the, the sort of in, interspliced with uh, the pure randomness of the films that we watch for this show. I would say we should yes. we should talk about the bad and random first. And there's a very specific reason as to why. Okay, but what's the reason? Because there's an argument to be made. I'm not saying that this is what I believe. There's an argument to be made that Tom Green is a secret genius and that, okay. th- that this film yeah, I know, I know that. is a work of art. Okay, sure. Let's do let's do so, <laughs> let's, so let's do let's do your idea. So let's go with bad stuff and random stuff first. So in the 100%, first um, in the first 5 minutes of the f- <laughs> I mean, I mean, oh my god. I, Here's the thing. What do we say about? I mean, we should probably describe. If in case you haven't watched this movie, it's this uh, is a star vehicle for Tom Green, sure, who is a sort of infantile, gross-out comedian whose comedy is based on loud noises and being childish, and uh, which is like annoying people to the point of where they get actually really, 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 really upset with you. But not in a way where they expose themselves, sort of in the way that Sasha Baron yeah. Cohen achieves that, where he gets them to the point yes, of ex- Sasha... exposing their uh, bigotry or their uh, their their true selves. Yeah, that's not what Sasha Tom Baron Green does. Cohen and yeah, Sasha Baron Cohen and Eric Andre have turned this into an art form. And Tom Green, I mean Tom, without Tom Green walked so those two dudes could fly. Um, sure. Yeah, so this movie is about uh, Tom Green plays Gordon, uh, or Gordy, who is a aspiring animator um, who does cartoons that have no storyline. Did, 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 did you relate to, to Gordy at all, with uh, you, you also no. being someone who likes to draw? <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Because, like, <laughs> it's, it's like, because, okay. I mean, it's a, he approached, like, animation in the way like comedians approach one-liners of like wouldn't it be funny if there was a mouse who could see through a wall and i was like what <laughs> what 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 i had like the, yeah. the, the <laughs> anthony michael hall in this movie made an excellent point of like i mean the drawings are funny but they're but there's no joke what are you doing here I'm, like, I'm gonna address and, that line when it comes to the secret genius part of, of the movie yeah there's Maybe that's part of the point of like that's the joke of the movies trying to make or something like I don't know. Um, so so he's an aspiring animator. Yes. He wants to make animation. He wants to sell his cartoon. And right? the way and he has yeah. this very he has this very dismissive father 
he has a dismissive, not just a dismissive father. His father is straight up abusive towards him. Oh, yeah. And the level of abuse keeps ramping up as the movie goes on. Uh, he has a very dismissive little brother called Freddy, who, uh, after whom the movie is named. And he has a mother who is very supportive and the only rational person in that family, I would say. Uh, the only rational, actually good-natured member of that family. So Gordon goes to Hollywood, right? Which is apparently a, like less than half a day's drive from wherever he lives. He starts working in a cheese sandwich factory. So he can pay his way through getting his animations done. He can't get his animations through to like the studio because of the aforementioned scene where he's like, hey, check out my drawings. And the other person is like, uh, your drawings are cool, but they're so fucking dumb and weird. And dumb, and Gordy is like, oh, sure, right. He drives back home. And that's the first he, 15 minutes, by the way. That's, that's the first 15 minutes of the movie. The entire premise is in the first 15 minutes. And then uh, after he can't get a job, he goes back home. His relationship with his father gets more strained. He pretends to get a job, uh, but he doesn't. And his relationship gets more strained. And he starts dating this girl, Betty, who has a, uh, let's call it a penchant for fellatio, which is one of the funnier jokes in the movie for me. Mm -hmm. uh, very, very funny thing where it's like a very heartfelt scene. And, and she's just like, I would love you if you were poor. All I want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it's embarrassing to say uh, while I'm being recorded. Uh, I don't want to incriminate myself. Uh, so oh, I'll gladly repeat the line. I'll gladly repeat the line. So there's this heartfelt scene oh, between <laughs> Betty and Gord. Yeah. It's towards the end of the film where Gordon has yeah. made it. He has money. And because she motivated him to pursue his passion... He buys her a bag of jewels. <laughs> of like loose jewels. Of loose jewels. <laughs> and uh, she's waiting for him on a helicopter pad in her wheelchair. And he arrives. Oh, yeah, because she's, she's wheelchair bound. She's yeah. wheelchair bound and a, a, uh, an amateur rocket scientist. And her dream is to <laughs> make a rocket-powered wheelchair, which she does. And that inspires Gordon to keep going with his animations anyway they meet on yeah. a roof he flies yes. by per helicopter gives her the jewels says you motivated me thank you so much i love you and she's well she says i would love you whether you were uh, if you were poor i just want to suck your cock <laughs> and then he says something again and then she goes no i just want to suck your cock <laughs> he's, it gets to a point where he's like can we just like please go on a date and she's like no <laughs> that's that's er I that's, want you. that's earlier uh in in the film when they go out for the first time yeah, yeah but exactly. it, that's that's how in that's how like into the joke they get so as i was describing uh the movie after like the first 15 minutes is a series of successive situations where gordy does something weird his dad reacts violently out of proportion he yells which, or yeah. he starts physically uh yeah ab abusing the people involved in the situation yeah. the, the, the yeah. way i would describe the movie as it is presented 
is yes. a series of vignettes resembling a sketch that are cut together to resemble a movie. Yes, and they're connected by an increasingly infuriated and unhinged character played by Rip Torn. May he rest in peace. He was taken from us way too soon. Um, and and then the movie ends with uh, Gordy and his dad uh, reconciling in a house, well, in the family home, which uh, Gordy has used his newfound fortune to relocate to Pakistan. Correct. Um and then they get kidnapped, and then they go home, and a big old welcoming party is set up for them, and then the movie ends. And then the movie ends, and then something that should have made but, the movie NC-17 rated happens, but it doesn't. <laughs> again, again, yes, it secret, doesn't. secret genius part, we'll, we'll talk about it earlier. So, within the first 10 yeah. seconds of the film... Whilst Gordy is driving to Los Angeles, he sees a farm <laughs> where they have a male horse, a stud, right? And this they're getting the stud ready to inseminate a uh, a, a a female horse, a mare. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so this 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 uh, the stud is getting an erect penis. And yes. as soon as Gordy <laughs> sees that, he gets out of the car, he runs over to the horse, and he starts jacking the horse off. Barehanded. Barehanded. No gloves. Nothing to protect his clothes uh, from the insane pressure that would, in theory, you know... <laughs> Yeah. come from uh, uh, the horse ejaculating. But <laughs> yes. We don't actually yes. see the horse ejaculate. We just hard cut to Gordy's parents back in Portland and uh, the father saying, oh, thank fucking God this kid is gone, finally. <laughs> yeah, which is, it to me, that point in the movie is exactly where I realized, like, oh, this is going to be the whole movie. Because the first 15 minutes, again... Everything in the movie up to him leaving his home in the new convertible. I was like, well, this could still go like a Ben Stiller dodgeball movie. You know what I mean? Like, this could still be like a normal, like, it could be absurd. It could be all that stuff. And then it's that moment where he almost crashes his new car, like, spins it around, like, drifting. And then he's like, horsey! And then he just, like, runs and starts playing around with a horse's dick. I was like, oh, it's that kind of movie. And I was immediately like, this is this is going to be rough. This is going to be a rough movie. Yeah. Uh, other gross thing that happens in the film. Um, well, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He, <laughs> there's, it's, it's kind of absurd talking about it. After he returns home from Los Angeles, he finishes building this half pipe in front of his parents' garage. And he has this friend yeah. that's sort of sitting on the half pipe and Gordy finishes it. He skates a bit on it and then the friend goes, I want to go. And then he skates and he gets seriously injured to the point where he has an open wound with an exposed bone. Gordy gets yeah. on the floor and starts licking the bone, the exposed bone. 
There's so many. There, I mean, there's so many weird, gross things that happen in this movie. They're um, gross. They're horrifying. They're disgusting. They're upsetting. He okay. He delivers a baby. He he goes to like a a room that is being shared by four people, which is like. What a weird, what a what a hospital this is. What kind um, of hospital is exactly? And, not not even the poorest and, oh, of hospitals would have a pregnant woman sharing a room with three other people. Um. So the pregnant woman starts giving birth. She goes into labor, and Tom Green's character Gordy puts on a lab coat, and he's like, "I'm a doctor," and he pulls the baby out. He bites off the umbilical cord like it's like it's a. Uh, you know, a ripe baby back rib. Or, he or spins like the baby a, around. Like, like a bit of Twizzler. Yeah, exactly. Yes. He spins the baby around, um, gives the baby to the mother. Then he tapes the umbilical cord to his own belly button. And that appears later in the movie when his girlfriend, Betty, tries to perform fellatio on him. She sees this umbilical cord and she's like, I can work around this. <laughs> she's... Then the movie proceeds yeah. as if that scene had not happened when I was I was dumbfounded that that was in a movie. Like I was like, what is happening here? I, I gagged when I when when that scene happened. I, I was about to vomit yeah, and, and I turned I turned the movie off for the first time of three times. I it, <laughs> I it was I it took me three attempts to to finish. Freddie got fingered. Oh boy! Um, yeah. There is, there is actual animal splooge in this movie. Uh, there's elephant splooge at the end of the movie. Yeah. Which is gross. Uh, very gross. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it, man. It, it, I it mean, got, it got set up earlier with the with the horse, and then paid off later with the mm. with the elephant. There's also a a running joke in this film where. The, the kid that lives next door to Gordy and his family gets progress, progressively worse injuries every time that he appears. <laughs> yes. So there's... Oh, there's child abuse, yeah. Well, there, there is child abuse. This specific... Well, yeah, no, that, no you're right. You're right. Uh, uh, the, the father, Gordy's father, froze a wine bottle into his face. I just remembered, yeah. <laughs> the, the, yeah, there's multiple forms of violence in this movie. There's a very insane, like not even the way that's like, because there can be fun, cool violence, like a Mortal Kombat game or like a John Wick movie. But there's like violence that you're just like, oh, man, <laughs> that's, just, that's just because it's darker in tone. And everything Gordy's father does is like horrible, tinged in something. Sin it's it's tinged in something sinister. Oh, but yeah. It is delivered. Wonderfully by Rip Torn. May he rest in peace. God took him from us too soon. Yeah, he he is an, another guy. The, the way he says some swear words, <laughs> he's so great. He hits the the he's... absolute right note on those fucks. Absolutely. Yeah, I look to me. This movie would have worked, and for the most part, it did, because even though everyone is kind of trying to match. Tom Green's energy, like you see Drew Barrymore. You think so? Which, by the way, why would you drag Drew Barrymore into this shit? Because they um, were dating. How dare you? They were dating they were at the time. They were about to get. They were about to get married, and exactly. then later got married. Yeah, but 
you still you still should know better than to do that to Drew Barrymore. Uh America's sweetheart Drew Barrymore. Um yeah, she's uh, she there's like a scene where she like yells at him and she's matching his energy and then Rip Torn is matching his energy and then the there's like a scene where like the little brother matches his energy and then li- li- there's there's good work being done by a lot of good people and the movie sort of cuz this is like peak jackass like this is MTV at the height of its powers with like Dude, wouldn't it be awesome if, like, you launched a rocket into my butt and it had a dildo at the end? Like, this is peak that sort of sensibility. And to me, this movie would have worked if Tom Green wasn't in it. To me, Tom Green is so <laughs> abrasive. Really? To me, Tom Green, if, if like, that character had been replaced by Johnny Knoxville, you know what I mean? Like, I would be, I would be so much happier. And because Tom Green to me, like his, his face is annoying. His voice is annoying. His posture is annoying. The way he moves is unnerving to me. I was so uncomfortable every time he was on screen. Cause like, again, if this was Johnny Knoxville, I, at least I could see it on his face that he's been kind to a person before. And (laughs) Tom Green has some, (laughs) okay. Tom Green, Tom Green has a quality in his eyes that makes me believe that he behaves that way in real life when no one is recording him. Like he go like he gets up on grocery lines and like throws like salami at people just for kicks. Like he seem he looks like he's performed cruelty to people in real life. And and like that's a, I, I don't know what why he gave me that vibe. Maybe that's the truth. I don't know anything about Tom Green except for this movie and the fact that he married Drew Barrymore. And I'm like, how how could you do that to Drew Barrymore? <laughs> Drew Barrymore must have ran out of that situation because he looks insane. Well, and I I don't know if I could handle it. Well, it's it's obviously an an on screen persona because I I've seen clips of the old Tom Green show both on MTV and on. Canadian public access yeah. television. Sure, sure, sure. And you know, you see that sort of stuff and you know, there's there he he leaves behind a mold that that Eric Andre for example, sort of fills in and brings other stuff too. But his yeah. comedy appears to have been for 13-year-olds all the time. And you know what I Let's mean? Let's be honest. So is so is Jackass, really. Like, everything MTV concocted during this period was made for 13-year-old, specifically 13-year-old boys. Yeah. In the, in the early, in the late 90s to the early to mid-2000s. So, like, the brand of comedy is fine, and it's something I could have, you know, it's, because it, it's in a lot of that, of movies from that time because again mtv was a huge deal and that and that's a thing i could have gotten past and be like ah this is dumb whatever but tom green is such an abrasive unnerving uncomfortable screen presence to me i have a note here that says everyone brought their a-game to this crazy shit because again rip torn hilarious super funny shack naturally funny shack oh my god shack is <laughs> shack is so 
when Shaq showed up, I lost my shit. I was like, this is great. This is like I, I alternated between this is very funny and very like surreal. And that's the thing that that's my type of this, this would be my kind of movie. That's the problem, too, is like if I didn't find Tom Green so annoying, this movie would be the shit to me because like I love Dodgeball. I love Dodgeball. A true underdog story. Wonderful movie. Apparently Helen Mirren's favorite movie, which makes me love Helen Mirren a lot more. Um, I love like Zoolander and all those like absurd, like high concept movies. And okay. this is definitely like a surreal black comedy. This was made with purpose. You know what I mean? Like this is this is something that was made with like in advance and came from the mind of an actual psychopath. Um which well, I respect. You okay. know what I mean? But the 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 actual psychopathy I found very unnerving where like there's other movies that can be this intense and this weird and this like, like again, Eric Andre, I love the Eric Andre show. I love Tim and Eric. I love some adult swim content. You know what, I, you know what I mean? And this, I just found like, Oh my God, I found him exhausting. So and I found everything else in this movie worked, but him, he was very exhausting. The, the fake show in the film that eventually gets him his <laughs> yeah. money, his million dollar check is this show called Zebras in America. And it's, I, I have a note about that. Yeah. It's half. The characters are half man, half zebra. They're zebra centaurs. Is that what, would that They're be the zebra correct? centaurs? There you go. Okay. Yes. That is something that would have aired on real life adult swim. You must be, you, you, you have to I, be honest there. I have a, I have a bit, I have a note here that I actually really like. I, I like that bit and it's a, and I have a note here that says the zebras in America bit is straight out of interdimensional cable from Rick and Morty. And that's why it's perfect. And I really liked it. Like you can see the bones of like the random Rick and Morty segments of like interdimensional cable where they're just like. Uh, we need a, uh, we're out of Jan Michael Vincent's in this district. You know what I mean? It's so specific and weird. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but you could make that a real show. Like that's what, that's what made it like smart to me. It's like, oh, he's actually making like a commentary on something on the type of entertainment that people consumed at this point in time, uh, particularly young adults and people that were like, you know, chin stroking about like animated comedies, you know what I mean? Like The mm. Simpsons and like uh, Futurama and Beavis and, Be Beavis and Butthead. This would be a perfect segment for a Beavis and Butthead episode. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I see that. I see that. Okay. So, well, the, the other thing that I wanted, well, no, let, let me say this. At various points, this film isn't necessarily interested in telling a story. It's interesting in, <laughs> yeah. in testing the limit of how far a major Hollywood studio is willing to let you go <laughs> before they ask you to cut shit out, right? So the, yes. the, the various uh, instances of interactions with animals, the scene giving birth, the... Uh, yeah, the, the, the constant crimes and harassment that the main character I am engages shocked. in. I am shocked that 20th Century Fox let him keep the shot where he's violently biting apart a 
the umbilical cord. I am so shocked that that's actually in this movie at this point in time in 2001. Not even Jackass would do that shit. And Jackass used their penises in stunts a lot. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, so much. I am I am so surprised. I was like, what? This is in, like, this would happen in a movie now. Like, post-Deadpool and post, like, all the modern comedies or whatever, anything goes, everything's fine. Like, we got, like, people winning Oscars for making butt plug jokes and everything every all at once. You know what I mean? So, like, anything goes, okay. clearly. Well, yeah. But in 2001, I was like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, and and this this is still extreme for for even modern standards. I, I would argue. Oh, it's it's insane. But it, I mean, it's it's less insane now. But it's very insane if you're like, this is pre nine eleven. You know, this this is a pre nine eleven world. Truly. <laughs> and this movie this movie comes out in theaters because this came out in theaters. Oh yeah. And people went to watch this in theaters, and now some, it's like some people. Movie, and you're like not that many to to be fair. <laughs> Not that not not that many to be fair. Yeah, you're right. But it's still it's still crazy that this movie exists. So there there's I, I wanted to briefly mention and then and then I think we can go into my secret genius theory that uh, yeah. you know I oh last week I talked about the Grand Budapest Hotel and how much yeah. I thought that that film was a magic trick. And yes. something that Grand Budapest Hotel and Freddy Got Fingered have in common is oh shit I just thought of other stuff I'm going to delay the secret genius stuff a bit they, in, in both films the the homophobic slur starting with F is used oh yeah okay and in the in Grand Budapest Hotel it's also for a laugh but it's you're laughing at the character using the slur for being a dumb idiot who would use that kind of slur. And yes. and in this okay. film though, it's more of like, oh yeah, we went there. What you're gonna do? What are you gonna do about it? You know what I mean? Oh yeah, it's one of the it's it's very it's a very Joe Rogan Chris Rock sort of behavior. Very you know one of those guys. Yeah, they're like, I'm gonna say this word because I can't say it. It's like, why? No, no one's gonna tell me anything <laughs> about it. We're just gonna go ahead. Like, yeah, no. Uh, thing, uh, no one's gonna tell you anything. No one's gonna say anything because they don't care. Yeah, the reason this film is called Freddy Got Fingered is because of one of the small vignette side plots that, in the version that got presented to us makes up like five percent of the runtime which is that yeah after it's a pretty crucial scene yeah after repeated incidents between gordon and his father the whole family uh -huh. so mo the mother the father gordon and his younger brother go to a family therapy session <laughs> and gordon falsely accuses yeah. his father of having sexually assaulted his younger brother. Yes. And the younger brother then, even he's he's a younger brother, but he's 25 years old. He gets sent to a <laughs> to, to an institution 
that has a very for, specific for kids. Yeah, an, an institution for kids has a very specific name. Even though I had no problem, you know, saying the line earlier, <laughs> I'm not going to repeat the name of this institution. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, That's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, even though I have the secret genius theory, this 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 joke plot point, whatever you want to call it, it's it's. I think it's in such poor taste. Yeah, it's it, every look. Here's the thing. Out of all the craziness We're, and off, out of all <laughs> the stuff that is in poor taste, like the birth scene, for example, th this this stands out to me particularly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really weird. Um, I here's the thing: I will never say everything in this movie is done in poor taste, but it is a pink flamingo sort of poor taste where you're like, is he is is this trying to do something? <laughs> like, is this trying to, like, what is this? What is Tom Green doing? Because you, because again, it may seem very random and it may seem very like off the cuff, very idiosyncratic, which maybe it is. But again, it's so specifically weird because you can do stuff that's like generally weird. But this is so like specifically like an entire sequence about like he goes to the hospital to visit his friend with a broken leg. He hurts his friend by shaking his broken leg. The woman starts giving labor. He puts on a doctor coat and he's like, I can deliver the baby. I'm a doctor. The other two patients in that room start singing and playing tambourine. He delivers the baby yeah, by and, and pulling the, it out. The, the, the two women singing in tambourine. It's another, oh, look at these freaks that look, look at these. Yeah. Look, look at these Native American freaks. Aren't they freaky? Aren't they weird? Yes, but it's, it's also specifically they're Native American. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he pulls the baby out. Bites the umbilical cord apart, spins the baby around, gives the baby back to the woman. Then he does a whole thing about, like, I'm a hero. He gets kicked out of the hospital. And his parting words are to this uh, amateur rocket scientist, which is a very specific little bit that they make. It's like, I'm a hero. They're trying to kick me out or whatever. <laughs> and then they push him out of the hospital and then the scene ends. Oh, yeah. It's so it's so specific and weird and constructed and like so much budget is dedicated to that. And they had, they had to have made like a fake baby and a fake umbilical cord. Obviously. And like, obviously did multiple, had that huge ass hospital room to shoot in with like a view and have four actors in it. Plus Tom green and have like all the camera blocking. It's like, it's done with so much preparation it's hard to for me to believe that the weirdness is not on purpose or trying to communicate something or is like it's more than like a an outlet for his weirdness it's also an outlet for his creativity which is like it's it's a big old swing that i disliked but it's a big old swing regardless and it's it's insane and that brings me to <laughs> the secret insane. to the secret genius theory are you ready for this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, during the opening of the film, there's a brief yeah. sequence where Gordon is skateboarding through a shopping mall. 
He's being chased around by <laughs> security guards. Yeah, and like the, the beginning of the movie, yeah. Exactly. So everything in the shopping mall is well organized and set up in a way that looks nice. And Tom Green is skating through it and leaving behind chaos and destruction. Yeah. That's a, that, that's a visual metaphor for who Tom Green is in the entertainment landscape. <laughs> made by himself. Yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah, sure. There you go. Yeah, it makes, makes perfect sense. Um, then later, yeah, man. A, a little bit later, one of the needle drops in the film is a song called I Gotta Be Me. <laughs> okay and i think i think it yeah. plays i think it plays during the scene where he starts working at the cheese sandwich factory in los angeles yeah and the song plays there and that's tom green telling the audience i can't make you a movie yeah or i can't make you this kind the kind of movie that you would enjoy I gotta be me. Yeah. It's him telling the sure. audience that. Yeah. Yeah. Then. <laughs> See, there's, there's layers to this. This goes on. After the sequence, he looks for and finds the executive played by Anthony Michael Hall and a visual joke yeah. during the sequence. There's two visual jokes that stand out. Two. First of all, he runs through this restaurant dressed as a British Bobby. That's not one of the visual jokes, by the way. That's just ra pure randomness. And a lot of people sitting at the tables have this sort of bleach blonde brown hair hybrid that the executive played by Anthony Michael Hall, Dave Davidson, also has. You know, and the joke is then, where is yeah. he? All of them have the same haircut. It's a visual joke. It's a blink and you miss it kind of joke. And another one, yeah, like yeah. even just look somewhere else in the frame and you'll miss it. There's so a patron of the restaurant has a cast around his hand that puts his hand into a middle finger shape. It's giving, yeah. it's giving the audience that's or the people that are asking him to sort of mold his vision into this film. He's giving them the middle finger. Yeah, okay. There's, there's there's stuff like that all throughout the film. That's insane. And then... <laughs> and then... <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. All, this, all these elements together make me think... It, this is an impressionist painting commentary on the sort of gross-out comedy from the 90s and 2000s. And it were the Fairly Brothers and this genre that was popularized by movies like There's Something About Mary, for example. Yeah, all these like... American Pie. Modern-ish. Yeah, all the modern-ish sex comedies, yeah. Except that it... Well... To be a pure commentary, it has its cake and eats it too, too many times. Yeah. Right? And the, the, there we yeah, come yeah, to, yeah. to the escalating uh, kid getting injured running gag. Where... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where 
at the end of the film, after Gordon and his father return on the plane, the kid runs into the propeller and gets obliterated. And everyone in the <laughs> audience that is uh, at this welcome parade gets covered in young kid blood and guts. Yeah. But you hear this clearly ADR line of the kid saying, I'm okay, dad, I'm okay. <laughs> like, yeah, if, 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 you, if you show the, well, if you don't put that in, then the movie is rated NC-17, obviously. Yeah, sure. And at this parade, there's another visual joke. People are holding up signs that says, when is this fucking movie over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's obviously some level of self-awareness, but it's so detached and you have to be a very specific kind of person to notice that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this genre of film is not the kind of genre where you're encouraged to sort of look around the frame and look at I don't know, clues or visual jokes or whatever. Like this, this is after the first, I don't know which one, after the first big gross out comedy came out, all the studio executives were like, oh, because the kids are all into this gross stuff now. Let's, let's pump out a bunch of these. And the people who greenlit Freddy Gottfinger probably yeah, yeah, thought yeah. of this film as some sort of, you know, another gross out hit but tom okay. green had other plans i can i can say <laughs> that he had sure yeah or he had gross out comedy adjacent plans but he's obviously a much more thoughtful person than that so he put stuff like this in. there's also the the first scene of the Drew Barrymore cameo, there's a shot in this sequence or a shot in this yeah. scene, which is a close-up of Drew Barrymore that's color-corrected completely wrong. Very much, yeah. Yeah. Very weird. That's very wrong. That where this, the, the scene is just tinged in blue for some reason. And it's that's a, that's a reference to an Andy Kaufman joke, but no one would understand it because it's... It's there and then it's gone again. Yeah. You see what I mean? Like the special things yeah, yeah, yeah. that you get out of this film by paying attention are all over the film, but <laughs> all over the place, yeah. And you're you're bombarded with this these visually striking, upsetting, horrifying, gross, disgusting disgusting scenes that opaque yeah, he's very that opaque the, the 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 little things that he threw in there as 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 further laughs yeah but it, it's, it's a film that has its cake and eats it too i feel because sure there's 100 because cultural sensitivity you know it's very different now than it was 20 years ago so, yeah. for example, the the native the Native American women like look at these freaks. That's like you you can't <laughs> yeah. you can't explain that away. And it was like I was trying to give exposure to Native yeah, American yeah, yeah. actors and musicians. The, 
the the way you the, show them the Pakistan thing. Exactly, the Pakistan thing, the fact that the main love interest is in a wheelchair. Which is, I mean, it's not offensive at all. You're like, oh, they're showing like a love interest in a wheelchair yeah. and showing her as like a... But they're... they're you know, un until... But they use her as an excuse for um, for Rip Torn to say the R word at her. Exactly, exactly. Exactly, there's that. And there's scenes that are so clearly you know, edited and stretched out in a way where it's like, oh, look at the girl in the wheelchair. Isn't that funny? Yeah. You know what I mean? And the, the, all the stuff where she gets, like, aroused by, like, getting hit in the legs with a with a rod. That's that's <laughs> really... I I laughed at that. That's really funny. It's it's very funny to me. Yeah, that, it's, that it's, is it's very just fun. very funny to me. That is very funny. Again, <laughs> and and, when, and in, in the sequence where, where Tom Green is riding a skateboard through the mall, there's the security guard that is chasing him. And he trips into two people carrying this heavy thing. And that 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 was also really funny. The, the way this was that was executed. The film has some gen some genuine laugh out loud moments that are few and far in between for me at least. To me, most of them come from Rip Torn again. <laughs> Rip Torn, a, a treasure of comedy. What the um, fuck are you doing, guard? <laughs> I have a bunch of notes. Um, before we get into like all full blown good stuff, because I have a couple things that are good. Oh, um, oh, this, 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 this was me doing good stuff, like this is hidden jokes oh, and smart sure. things and commentary. That's all. That's all good stuff. Sure. Uh, then let's get into the remainder of our random notes. Um, so uh, I wrote here: Tom Green is pretty damn abrasive, which is what I said at the beginning. Uh, I'm pretty sure the horse thing at the beginning is animal abuse. In one form or another. And in fact, I was looking this up because uh, I'm going to mix this up with trivia. This movie was nominated for like seven Razzies and won every single one of them. Well, no, because it, uh, it was it lost in two categories. One of them were supporting actor for Rip Torn, which is like, why would you do that? Rip Torn is amazing in this. Rip Torn right. is really good in this. And then uh, Drew Barrymore also nominated in the uh, worst supporting two two actresses in the movie were support, were nominated for worst supporting actress. Which okay. is like Drew Barrymore is not the problem with this movie or even one of them. You know what I mean? Um, really weird. And I and one of the categories in the Razzies is worst on screen couple or worst on screen combo. And the category and the nomination that Freddie Got Fingered got uh, it reads out. Tom Green and any animal he abuses, and that won the Razzie for the night. So uh, <laughs> he abused a bunch of animals and I got see. a Razzie for it. Um, how dare you treat Drew Barrymore like this? Um, uh, I I love the fact that Anthony Michael Hall is in this movie just to be gener just generic boss number one. But the job that they gave him is so weird of like generic boss for like a... a a, 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 like a cartoon animation company yeah um and he and he has a really weird comment of like they introduce him in a very generic businessman conversation of like and tell hannah barbera they can go fuck themselves and then he says i got 12 korean teenagers in a cage that can pump out a tv show or something i was like that's a weird ass line yeah that's that, that a very the, weird the, the the 12 koreans bit that's again it's sort of like <laughs> oh yeah we went there are you mad about it are you mad about it? But it's, 
it's not even that it's just like it's so weird and specific it's like it's like it doesn't even make sense um uh i'd find this very hilarious if tom green wasn't a psychopath again i just have five notes that say wow period mm. insane period i have a bunch of notes like that um the rules in this movie sometimes apply, sometimes they don't. It's inconsistent, but that's why it makes sense. Yeah, but it's it's, it's 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 a it's a very campy world. So you yeah, it's it, and if, after, again after, and I after a while, you you cannot expect to see the application of the rules of our world because that is not the world of this film. They they let you yeah. know that very early on. Um. Yeah, but I wrote here like if we're being honest, the story selling truck, the storytelling structure is one of the least offensive things about this movie. Um, then I have the whole piano sausage contraption, which like I mean, the piano, the sausage is hanging from the ceiling, pretty weird, and the fact that he sings "Daddy, would you like some sausage?" is a pretty like memorable thing. But to me, the thing that bothered me the most was the fact that he's wearing two pieces of steak as like dog ears. I see. That's easily the thing that confounded me the most because he's supposed to be like I'm eating lunch and playing music and drawing at the same time for inspiration to be creative. The two pieces of steak. On <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I I see it in my head and I'm like, why? Why would you do that and like not address it? Like, because at least the sausage is like it's moving. Like he plays a key in some of. The, I found that legitimately funny that he would play certain keys. And certain sausages would go up, and he would play another, and another sausages. Would, that was that was entertaining to me. That that whole contraption, um, but it was is, yeah, it's it's quite something. It's quite something, yeah. It it's not funny per se, but it is like entertaining for me that like the idea that he assigned certain sausages to certain like keys in his keyboard. <laughs> Every time he plays a note, five sausages would go up. Is it was funny to me. And, and, but it was and a set designer got paid steak. to make that. Yeah, but to me, what was funnier, because it was never explained, but it was also upsetting, was the two pieces of steak on the side of his head. Very, very weird to me. Um, the helicopter bit, where like he's trying to be candid with his girlfriend, but he, she can't hear him because of the helicopter. Very is, good. Very, very funny. funny. It's 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 been repeated in movies where I think it's better executed, like that scene in uh, at the end of Shazam, where he's fighting Savannah and Savannah played by Mark Strong again, another one of the all time great bad guys in movies. Mark Strong, international treasure. Okay, I, uh, I thought you were saying his... Savannah, which uh, okay. No, I mean no, I mean the the actor playing Thaddeus Savannah. I I'm okay. sorry. Okay. I don't mean Thaddeus Savannah, the evil doctor. I mean the actor playing him. He's okay. one of the all-time great those guys in movies. Uh, he's giving his big villain speech, and then he, they're both like flying in the in midair, and then it cuts back to Shazam, and he's like, "What? I can't hear you!" Like that's that's what how I think the joke has best been executed in a movie. That's that's very dependent on tropes like that, uh, but it was a very funny bit. And it was funny that he just deposited a bunch of jewels in her hand, like their hotels in Monopoly. Like it was just like, I bought you some jewels. Like he just robbed them out of like the Cave of Wonders from Aladdin. It was very funny to me. Um, I found it good that it 
lasted as long as it did. It was breezy. To me, nowadays, when a movie's short and concise, it's a good thing. 87 uh, minutes. Some movies, mer- some movies merit a long runtime. Avatar 2 merits a long runtime. Because like the more time you can spend in Pandora, the better. Um, but it, to me, the fact that this was like, no, we're focused on this very specific vision. <laughs> and it's going to last 87 minutes is very funny to me. Um, and the fact that it ends with, or like the song, the needle drop in the credits is the real Slim Shady was very funny to me. <laughs> it's just very, very, but it's so appropriate for back then. It's like, how do we end this movie? That's going to be sort of a big hit is the real Slim Shady. Um, Max, before we end, uh, I, I'm going to start doing a new segment. I, I is that try so? this out today. Is that so? This is. Let's read reviews of this movie. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't have okay. a title, but it's like, but it's like funny reviews or something, or yeah, funny review stories. I also have. There's a, a bunch of trivia. I have a bit of trivia as well. Maybe you're gonna mention what I what I was thinking of. Let's see. So um, uh, we're gonna start doing this segment. If you like it, please let us know. Of uh, whenever we have a movie that is this critically panned or universally panned as this one, because sometimes we do movies that are like just okay, or just like a little mediocre, or just like not offensive at all. When we do movies like the Emoji Movie and this movie, and we're probably gonna have to do a Transformers movie or Cats or something like that, there's gonna be a lot of critical gamesmanship. When it comes to this movie, when movies are really good or movies are really bad, critics always want to like outdo one up each, each other. other in terms of one up each other in terms of how much they can describe this movie in term or hate it. Um, so I'm gonna st- I'm gonna read a couple of things that I found interesting. So I'm on Wikipedia, and it gives me a, what I like about Wikipedia is that more than just like a center of information, it's a really good repository for links that leads you to more complex or more complete information. So the Rotten Tomatoes consensus on this gives it an 11%, which is damn appropriate to me. It that's feel, feels that's high. That's, that feels high to me, that, to be honest. <laughs> to me, to me, to me, to me, the fact that it is such a question mark of a movie and the fact that Rip Torn, again, I love Rip Torn in this movie. It, to me, it, it's like, because... If you think about it, like Fantastic Four with Josh Trank is a nine percent, or like an eight percent. Um, there's some I don't. There was one movie that was at one percent. I don't remember which one it was. I think it's the Emoji Movie. Um, that's at one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Or Scar- Scarlet uh, Letter with Demi Moore, maybe. Probably, yeah. Um, so this one has a score of 11% based on reviews from 95 critics, which is a lot of critics for a movie that is kind of not a huge release. Uh, well, well, consensus it, was a, says unf- it was a studio release at the time. It was a studio release at the time, which is why I guess it got 95 critics. It's still a lot. Um, unfavorably comparing it with such infamously bad titles as Battlefield Earth, which we're not going to do uh, based on Max's pleading. Uh, a significant number of critics are calling Tom Green's extreme gross-up comedy the worst movie they have ever seen. Which, again, I don't like dealing in superlatives. Um, so it is very funny to me when a, when a critic comes out, it's like, this is one of the worst pieces of shit I've ever seen. It's like, you've seen a lot of movies, but um, 
So to me, which the ones that are always funny are Roger Ebert, because Roger Ebert was not a particularly passionate person when it came to praising a movie or hating a movie, except with maybe one or two, and that's what made them special. Rest in peace, um, man, like Robert Ebert, Roger Ebert. I'm so sorry. Rest, rest in peace, Roger Ebert. Um, so it's a <laughs> describe the film thus: This movie doesn't scrape the bottom of the barrel. This movie isn't the bottom of the barrel. This movie isn't below the bottom of the barrel. This movie doesn't deserve to be mentioned in the same sentence with barrels. Then there's a pause. The day may come when Freddy Got Fingered is seen as a milestone of neo-surrealism, which it kind of is. The day may never come when it is seen as funny. Um, which it's is harsh. a very eloquent, which is harsh, but it's also very eloquent and very appropriate to me. Uh, but it's also not the worst movie I've ever seen. Um, there's a bunch of critics here that's called it their, one of their most hated movies, one of the worst movies they've ever seen. Ebert is one of us. He's, he gave the film a rare zero star rating, which is interesting. Um, it listed it as one of his most hated films of all time. Richard Roper called it one of his most hated films of all time. Uh, critic Leonard Maltlin shared his views of the, their Ebert and Roper's views of the film. Uh, the Toronto Star, this was noteworthy. The Toronto Star created a one-time new rating for Freddy Got Fingered, giving it a negative one star out of five. And it is the only time they have ever done that with a movie. Um, huh. CNN's Paul Clinton called it the worst movie ever released by a major studio in Hollywood history, which I disagree. I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> Are you serious? And it's not like this was 1980 when like people were young and nubile. This was 2001 when people were well aware of worse movies. Um, yeah, man. Just again, there's a lot of like bad things you could say about a movie like this, but it's also a fun movie to roast. There are movies that are very fun to roast, but and but we're not the roasting kind of people. Well, to a certain degree. To a certain degree. When it's the emoji movie, I'll happily roast it as much as you oh, want. Oh, no. I, I was thinking um, about, you know, you know like, like lunch. Like, I love a roast. I like a roast. Um, like a, a so, roast lunch, a roast dinner, a roast chicken. Uh, another piece of trivia. Uh, <laughs> in, in, 20, in 2010, it was announced that Freddy Got Finger was nominated for Worst Picture of the Decade. For the 30th Golden Raspberry Awards, but it lost to Battlefield Earth, which is fun. Okay. <laughs> Who else was nominated Imagine, in that category? We should probably check that category. I'm going to check that category. Go I'm going to answer that question for you right now. Um, the 30th Golden Raspberry Awards, they took place in 2009. It's a sidebar. Um, sidebar. It's a, yeah. With with time, I now I see the Razzies as a bit mean spirited in terms of some of the categories that they have. Uh, yeah, just an observation. I used to pay a lot of attention to them when it came to awards. Now I don't really anymore. Yeah, but it's still. I mean, I find them funny just because the. Um, I don't know. I I just find it funny in the sense of like. The categories are clearly a joke, and the fact that they're just like bending the rule, their own rules for, <laughs> for this to be like at all interesting or funny or whatever. Right. Um. Let me check. Okay. Razzies. 
worst picture of the decade. <laughs> Imagine, uh, I mean, they're kind of, um, to me, the Razzies are like, the best way to react to them is the way Halle Berry did when she got her, her like, Razzie win, you know what I mean? Or right. like Sandra Bullock when she won her Razzie, when she just like brought all the voting board, like a, <laughs> she brought the voting board, like a copy of the movie she was nominated for, which is like, that's how you deal with that stuff. You know what I mean? That's certainly one way to deal with it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm checking the list here. So it's Battlefield Earth. It was nominated along. Um, so it's Worst Picture, Worst Direction, Michael Bay. Oh, that's <laughs> the year, this year. So this year, the Worst Actor category, one of the nominees was the three Jonas Brothers for their concert film, and they won, <laughs> all three of them oh, won Worst Actor. Right. Okay. <laughs> Which is, is very fun. It's kind of funny. That's kind of funny. <laughs> so Worst Actor of the Decade, Worst Actress of the Decade, Paris Hilton. Wow crazy worst picture of the decade it was nominated alongside i know who killed me okay i don't know what movie that is swept away okay jiggly jiggly and freddy got fingered i don't know what swept away is let me check i don't know either that's what's right oh it's uh it's a guy it's a oh it's the guy richie movie with madonna oh okay i have never seen that movie have you seen that movie i have not seen it yeah, out of, um, out of the ones that I know from there, I actually would say that Geely is the worst and not Battlefield Earth. Yeah, I, I have yet to see Jiggly, but from what I hear, that's got like all the makings of a terrible, horrifying movie, which is like, not only is it nonsensical and badly made, it's boring. And a bad movie, it's okay for a bad movie to be a bad movie if it's entertaining to me. If it's boring, then it's like, oh, man. Right. I'm in for a rough ride. And, and one thing I can say about Freddy Got Fingered, not boring. That's a good, that's a compliment I can give it. I will remember the experience of seeing this film for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. I will 100% repeat in my head, Daddy, would you like some sausage several times over the course of the next couple of months? Yeah. Overall, that 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 sort of tone of voice that he adopts when he says sausages or and cheese daddy would you like some sausage yes <laughs> and sandwich cheese sandwich that <laughs> that is I, I think that is a tom green staple because he was a contestant on the amazon show last one laughing the canadian version and for real tom green yes and he, he wow spoilers for uh last one laughing canada he was one of the last yeah. two people standing <laughs> alongside. He didn't laugh. <laughs> exactly. He was, he was, he got second place because he was there with Colin Mockery and Colin Mockery is like an improv legend. So Colin Mockery, you wipe the floor with Tom yeah. Green, obviously. But Oh, of course. But Tom Green did like a bit where, would you like a cheese sandwich? And he, like people laughed at that and, were knocked out of the show because of it. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, so that that that, that, that him, tone of voice it it certainly has something. It certainly has something, but again, I would find him entertaining 
if there wasn't such a cruel dead quality to his eyes it's his eyes man the eyes are the eyes are the thing to me <laughs> just like just like wide open like a he has fish eyes he has the same eyes that a fish has just like non-expressive like i i hit a deer oh we missed a, a gross thing of like him hitting a deer with his car and then wearing it <laughs> wearing the deer him wearing the deer almost feels expected what i found even more gross is like a, a sound design note or when he cuts the deer open it briefly sounds <laughs> it briefly sounds like it's a dead deer that was carrying a baby deer inside of it i thought that was gonna oh, happen yeah. at first because that's what it sounds like <laughs> at first it, it's not the case at all and then when he was yeah. wearing the deer carcass and running around with it i was like Oh, thank God there was not a baby deer there. My conclusion, I guess, if there there's supposed to be a conclusion to this sort of thing. What? Is I'm gonna I'm gonna go watch Top Secret or something else that's dumb and absurd but actually funny to me. <laughs> right. Like, I love Top Secret. Okay. You do like Top Secret? You know what? Uh, I heard once that Edgar Wright screened it when he was curating for a movie theater and that he he managed to convince the directors to go even though one of them had sort of wanted to uh, uh disown the the film but when they got what? when they reunited at at the screening and saw it together he went like oh yeah this movie's really funny oh and i directed it it's oh, hilarious cool. so the, it's, it's hilarious it's on my watch list it's on my watch list is what i was oh saying. my god Please, please watch Top Secret. It's one of those great, like, Mel Brooks movies from the 80s and 70s. It's filled with so many dumb things that, <laughs> like, I, I'm very I'm very much a fan of, like, dumb, like, one-off, like, one-liner jokes. Right. And all the Mel Brooks movies, like Spaceballs, is filled with them. Oh, my, uh, the producers and Blazing Saddles and all that stuff is like, yeah, I, that's my, that's my shit, man. Well, I'm going to have some lunch after this because you, you mentioned <laughs> roasting before and that got me hungry for chicken. In terms of what's going to yeah, go man. on the poll, I have two ideas. Yeah. So, first, the Tom Cruise uh, film, I don't know if it's a romantic comedy or not, uh, Cocktail, where Tom Cruise plays a cocktail waiter. Yeah, this is a category of, like, movies nobody has heard of, right? And, exactly. And second Cocktail. second idea is uh, Grease 2, the sequel to Grease. Oh, I will 100% want to do Grease 2. All right. <laughs> Let's do Grease 2. Grease 2 goes on the <laughs> poll, joining Deep Blue Sea, Manta Manta, yes. and King Arthur and Legend of the Sword. Yes, at, the, at this point, King Arthur has got to be our next show, right? We keep saying that, and, and it keeps getting beat by, by movies everyone else wants to watch. Um, or or yeah, everyone man. else wants us to watch. That's right. Everyone else wants us to watch. Because I remember, like, no, King Arthur's going to win, and then they chose Mac and me. <laughs> it's like, oh, man. Exactly. I want to replace this movie with something else. I want to spice this up. Very well. That's been it for the cursed episode of the bomb shelter. <laughs> That's been it. You know, fortunately, we got past this uh, as a society. Fortunately, uh, we've gotten. <laughs> fortunately, the spirit that was possessing me has now left. Yes. Um, 
Tom Green went back to Canada where he belongs. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, he, hey. He lives. Pat's, a bit, Pat's being a bit mean. Shout out Tom Green, man. Shout out, shout out to you. I appreciate you, man. Okay. All right. Shout out Tom Green. Shout out Tom Green. Sure. But like stay in Canada. Uh, stay, stay in Canada as long as possible. Please don't make another one of these. Go on vacation wherever you'd like. Go on vacation Go wherever on vacation you'd wherever like. You'd like. And if someone else gives you money to give gives you money to make a movie, I am going to watch it. For sure. Sure. Uh look, if he makes his like director's cut, I mean out of obligation to myself, oh! I have to. Oh right? my god, you you're bringing this up right now. Okay, the podcast is going to go even longer now. But <laughs> on, on this is going to be the longest of our podcast episodes. Yeah. On on a podcast with Bert Kreischer, Tom Green said the following. Well, he basically See. said that studio interference and focus groups made him cut out a <laughs> subplot where the, the the person that was running the cheese sandwich factory was his uncle, and he was a gay man who well, displayed his affection to his uh, partner openly throughout the film. And they made yeah. him cut all of that subplot out. And he says, he claims <laughs> that this is the reason that it feels so stilted and the editing feels so awkward and it feels like there isn't really a story there. Obviously, there's no way to know that. And I have a feeling that maybe, you know, showing a gay couple kissing in 2001 would have been another one of those instances. Where I look at the freak on screen. But yeah, it's interesting that the studio you know, uh, crimes, harassment, abuse, a, a child getting injured repeatedly, all that made it past. But homosexuality, that's where we draw the line, man. Yeah. What the fuck? You can't show two dudes kissing on film. Yeah. So, this, <laughs> so you know, we, uh, we and, should and, actually, and who knows, and who knows may, maybe, maybe Tom Green actually, oh, the healthiest relationship in the entire film is between these two men. Maybe that's also the case. Who knows? We don't know. Maybe that's also the case. Who knows? We literally know nothing about what's going on in Tom Green's head. But if he ever gets to, because he wants to make the green cut of Freddy Got Fingered, but the footage, according to him, because again, he's a very unreli un unreliable narrator of his own life. Um, Wait, apparently, Twenty Century Fox doesn't want to give the for... <laughs> for this information. Yeah, he's he's the only one updating the rabid fan bases that are crying out for Freddy Got Fingered, the the director's cut. Uh, apparently, Twenty yeah. Century Fox doesn't want to give the footage to him, which is like I'm doubtful. <laughs> I'm doubtful that that's even a thing. Well, I I, I could see Twenty Century Fox refusing to sell him the footage. Maybe that's what he means. Oh yeah. Sure, maybe. Be or refusing to, or rather, refusing to give it to him and willing to sell it to him, but he just doesn't have the liquid capital to buy it back. Oh, <laughs> maybe, I mean, Potential potentially. maybe he's not making as, um, maybe that's not like a... Maybe he's not making as much bank as we think he is. <laughs> Maybe that's no. just what that's about. No, I mean, the rights to a movie are expensive as fuck. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But I, also, I, like... You, you, you got to pay $30 million for those at the, at, at the very least. Okay, sure. Man, this movie was just upsetting to me. 
this movie, I mean, it's very tempting to be like something more is happening here. But like And to to an extent <laughs> there is. To an extent there is. And I, and I've laid that out. Shout out Tom Green. The new movie on the poll, just to remind you guys, after this slow detour back out of the outro that we took, the new movie is Grease 2. You can vote on it, and whatever movie you'll vote on, we'll watch. This has been The Bomb Shelter. Pat, anything to add <laughs> yeah. before we end this show? Man, I, I have... Man. This <laughs> is... Oh man, yeah, this has been great. Uh, thank you. I mean, look, the movie is a whole thing, but it's very fun always to talk with you about bad movies, and it's very nice to see that people like the show and react to it in a way that's positive and keep engaging in the poll. So, thank you for that so much. Um, and uh, let's keep it going, man. I hope you, I hope you select a good one for next week. I hope you select a good juicy. You know, all four movies apparently are pretty juicy that are going on the poll for next week. Um, I kind of hope it's Grease 2, but I'm mostly hoping that it's, uh, you know, King Arthur, so we can finally move that out of the way, man. Perhaps. All right. Perhaps. This has been The Bomb Shelter. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>